Well, my family got a, a jump start on uh, Thanksgiving yesterday. We drove out to, to Woodbury, so we're already starting our uh, Thanksgiving meal recovery program um, this morning. Well, actually, more this afternoon, we're, we're going hiking. If anyone brave enough, bold enough, uh, we're going on a hike at 12.30. Uh, we're meeting at the Hotel Hershey and hiking around. Uh, so if you want to join us, um, bring a couple layers, bring a hat, uh, bring some water. But let me start off by asking, not the question that you think I'm going to start by asking, by a different one. What makes you feel anxious? COVID. What if I'm not good enough? Uncertainty. Public speaking. Say, no, say, come up and say more, no. Feeling a loss of control. I'm sure we could go on and on and on about things that might feel, uh, make us feel anxious. So now let me ask the question that probably you were expecting me to ask. What makes you feel thankful? What are you thankful for? Family. God's protection. New beginnings. Children. Our church. Grandchildren. All right, Jesus, God's son. 53 years of marriage. Praise God. Warm home. Uh, so, someone sent a message that the thing that makes them feel anxious is the unknown. I'm assuming that's what makes them feel anxious and not what they're thankful for. That person can correct me if I'm wrong. And let me check my emails. None that pertain to this morning. So if you have those, if you're, you're going to keep uh, email me, I, I'd love to know what you are thankful for. Yeah. Well, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, and, and this passage really does lend itself um, to uh, talking about Thanksgiving for sure, but a as I was sitting with this passage this week, uh, looking at how um, thankfulness and thanksgiving and rejoicing are kind of um, juxtaposed with anxiety, and uh, how these two themes kind of uh, come up in these passages. And um, anxiety is not something new. It's not something that uh, is unique to us in, in 2022. 
Um, and yet, it seems that over the last couple of years, um, a, a number of studies have come out about the rise in anxiety, um, especially kind of post-pandemic, um, maybe related to pandemic issues or related to uh, cultural issues, um, social issues, um, related to you know a, a year and a half, two years of of being isolated from other people and and having all kinds of things happen. And so I think um, anxiety is something that is is very high uh, in in folks right now. Um, certainly our our media, our politics, our, our news, kind of like they all play on that. Like they want you to feel anxious and, and, and um, scared of, of things, whatever you know, the opposite of their thing is, they want you to be scared of. And so all around us, there's all kinds of things telling us to be anxious and be scared and, and be frightful and worry and, and all of those things. And, and look, I'm anxious and worry enough on my own. I don't need other people to tell me to do those things, right? Um, and so I think thankfulness and thanksgiving um, play a big part in helping to um, fight against those, those thoughts, uh, feelings of anxiety and worry. And so as we look at this passage um, that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. It is good to be here. And um, whatever the feelings are that we've come and brought with us this morning, I pray that you'd help us to to maybe set those aside here for a moment, uh, to focus on your message to us uh, through uh, the Apostle Paul, and um, to consider what thanksgiving and rejoicing and um, focusing on the good things in life uh, can do for our mindset, but, but do um, for, for the world around us. And so may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage, this letter that Paul's writing, he's beginning to bring to a conclusion in Philippians 4. He's been uh, addressing some practical issues in Philippi. He's addressing uh, a couple of female leaders that we think they're probably house group leaders um, that that are having some kind of conflict right before um, verse 4 starts. And uh, he's, he's addressing their life together. Um, he names several of them as co-workers, but he wants to address some practical things in their life together. And so he says uh, at the beginning of this passage, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Now, I think my translation has periods there uh, in the original language. There's no punctuation I imagine that when this letter was read, it wasn't meant to just be a period. I, I believe there's got to be an exclamation point somewhere in there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Paul repeats this uh, directive, which is interesting to me given Paul's life and his many experiences, um, you know, being stoned and left for dead, you know, his life under threat, uh, shipwrecked, imprisoned, all kinds of things going on around Paul. And what he's telling others to do is to rejoice. 
It's also uh, pretty amazing given some of the situations that the early church was facing with persecution and, and things happening around them to re- be reminded to rejoice, I think, is a pretty amazing statement in and of itself by Paul. When it seems like there's not a lot to rejoice for, Paul says it twice. Do it always and again and again and again. He says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Um, he's going to later then talk about the, the peace of God. And uh, one commentator was talking about that I was reading this week was talking about how gentleness and, and the peace of God are kind of two sides of the same coin. Gentleness is an outer expression and the peace of God an inward experience that we feel. As Gordon Fee says, for Paul, joy Prayer and thanksgiving evidenced outwardly by gentleness and inwardly by God's peace in their midst have to do with the people of God. And so this is uh, an attitude that they were supposed to have. It was their actions were supposed to be characterized by gentleness towards one another. Gentleness here, Paul seems to link to the Lord being near, maybe realizing the closeness or the presence of God should be demonstrated in our gentleness towards others. Then Paul says these words, um, well, yeah, he says, do not worry about anything. I have to confess to you that um, I haven't been able to stop worrying altogether. Um, It's maybe not that I worry incessantly. Uh, What what are the things that you worry about? You know, I I worry about those things. Uh, I worry about my kids. I worry about their friends. I worry about their choices. Uh, I worry about what kind of things and people are influencing them. For me, I I worry about things going on in our world. Confession that I know that news and media all attempt to capitalize on fear and anxiety, fear of the left, fear of the right, fear of Democrats, fear of Republicans, fear uh, you're trying to uh, take away my rights, fear of you know, Russians, fear of Mexicans, fear of South Americans, fear of Syrians. These are all kinds of things that our media, our news, our politics want us all to be afraid and worried about. What other things do you worry about? We asked that a little bit earlier. And maybe for you too, uh, there are other family situations that you worry about that cause you anxiety. Maybe it's uh, job situations that you worry about and cause you anxiety. Anxiety or worry seem to to tear down or try and... um, Work against uh, joy and gentleness and peace. I've never met somebody who's you know, overcome by uh, anxiety or worry that I would characterize as, as gentle and peaceful, right? Those things seem to be very opposed to one another. Anxiety disorders, uh, I got this from the National Institute of Mental Health, Uh, anxiety disorders affect 40 million people in the U.S., nearly 20%. 
In adolescence, that goes up to about 32%. And again, there's numerous studies being done about the increase in anxiety surrounding the, the pandemic and, and you know, all of the stuff that has happened in, in the last couple of years. So what do we do? Paul continues, but in everything, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Seems like we all worry. I know there's several passages in the Bible that say, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. I haven't been able to like stop worrying. Uh, maybe you have. If you have, please see me after the service. I'd love to know your secret. Um, no, I, we all wrestle with this. Um, throughout Scripture, even from Jesus himself, uh, talks about not worrying and, and says, you know, see how God takes care of everything else? It's, it's still something that I deal with. And I see Paul's words here as a, a healthy way of dealing with, with worry when it comes, or with anxiety when it comes. By prayer, let your requests be made known to God, giving thanks that we have a God who hears, giving thanks that we have a God who can act. And so when we get anxious, bringing that concern, bringing that worry, bringing that anxiety, letting God know about it, speaking to Him about it, you know, don't just bury it, don't just you know, oh, well, I'll just get over it, but speaking it out to God. Now, does that mean God is going to do exactly as you request? I think sometimes folks think, like, if I pray about it, God is going to, like, exactly do what I want God to do. Um, does God change His mind as a result of prayer? Well, there are actually several passages, several stories in the Bible that seem to indicate that God hears and God acts and God, you know, makes his decisions, maybe sometimes, based on our prayers. There's a story of Abraham pleading with God not to destroy Sodom for the sake of the righteous, which seems to change God's mind. There's this bargaining that happens between God and Abraham. There's another instance where Moses is interceding on behalf of the Israelites, pleading that God won't destroy them. The Israelites have done... a in the Old Testament, they, they've done another boneheaded thing, and, and God's had enough of it, and God resolves, I'm going to destroy these people, I'm going to start over. And Moses comes and says, hold on a second, hold on a second. You've just rescued these people out of Egypt. Are you really sure you want to, like, start over again? I mean, you just rescued them. Everybody else is going to start talking and say, well, there's that God out there destroying his people after he just rescued them. And so Moses intercedes, and God changes his mind based on Moses coming and pleading their case. So both of those instances and some others seem to suggest that prayer has a role in God making up God's mind. Other times it seems that prayer is about aligning ourselves with the will of God. The most notable uh, story that uh, emphasizes this is when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest. He's, he's, he's pleading with God, the Father, saying, please take this cup from me. I know what's in store. I know what's about to happen. If there's any way... Please let this cup pass. 
yet not what I will, not what I want, but what you want. So it's Jesus aligning himself with the will of the Father. God the Father doesn't give Jesus exactly what Jesus is hoping the solution is. but Instead, Jesus aligns himself with God's will. I have a, I say this tongue-in-cheek, I have a health coach um, who uses a phrase, and you want to know who my health coach is, it's my wife, um, who, who uses the phrase, stop, challenge, choose, all right? That when, and this, you apply it to whatever you want in, in life, when you're making a decision, whether that's a health decision, a food decision, a stress decision, you know, whatever, to stop, stop what you're doing, Challenge yourself, think about it, what, what are the consequences here, and then choose the action, choose the outcome that you want. And I think Paul would agree with that here, S- that when you're starting to feel anxious, hold on a second, pray about it, bring that to the Father, lay that at the Father's feet, let God know what's happening, let Him know what is starting to to cause that anxiety in you, what you're starting to be worried about. Bring that to God. And give thanks to God for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And as a result of this, uh, Paul then writes, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I have a, a pastor friend of mine always quotes this passage this way, The peace of God which surpasses your ability to understand it. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you, you know, everything around you seems to be you know, going haywire, and you feel just a peace about where you're at uh, or, or the decisions that you've made. Um, m- maybe you've, you've resolved to be faithful to what God is calling you to and you know, other people are reacting in different ways around you. Um, but if you have that assurance that, that you've made the, the right decision, um, you, have, you might have that peace about it, that peace that maybe you don't even understand. It talks about that peace of God guarding your hearts, that guard your hearts is, is a mili- military term uh, in the ancient world, talking about guarding, keeping, defending, protecting. It's this, this wall of, of thanksgiving and praise and rejoicing that you surround yourself with so anxiety can't get a foothold. Think about when people somehow find peace in the midst of extremely difficult situations. Paul seems to be holding out even a a miraculous kind of peace of God that we're not even able to fully uh, understand. Think of uh, Jesus is quoted in, in John chapter 14 verse 27. 
Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Just a different kind of peace. Instead of being overcome with anxiety, Paul talks about thinking on these things. Think of things that are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Paul says, focus on these. Don't focus on on the things that you're worried about. Don't focus on the things that are causing anxiety. For me, this means watch less news and don't give in to the fear-inducing that our uh, system seems to want to thrive on. I think it's an encouragement for us to return to good art and music, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are commendable and, and just. Maybe it means getting outside into God's creation. Maybe that means this afternoon. Maybe that means when it's a little warmer out, all right? To surround yourself with things that are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Get together with family or friends for good food and drink and lots and lots of conversation. It's a good way to fight against anxiety. I'm looking for some help from you all. What's something that's true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, or praiseworthy Uh, that you like to think about or experience? If I get worried about something this afternoon, what what could I go to? All right, Jesus' sacrifice. I've had some people sharing with me um, some some music that they've been hearing recently or or some uh, concerts that they were at. Uh, Any good books? All right, so we need, I need to put a list in the newsletter of things that are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise for the next time that we deal with anxiety. May go and just have these positive experiences, experience something that is true and honorable and see how your, your anxiety kind of abates, goes away a little bit. You end up with more to give thanks for and combat anxiety. Paul concludes this passage then by saying, Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, I would love to know what it was like to work next to Paul and to see him day in and day out um, Pursuing Jesus, uh, see the, the actions that, that he took, and um, just experience what it would be like to be a co-worker of Paul, to, to, to catch a little bit of his sense of, of peace, that he was in the will of God, that he was aligning himself with the will of God, to the point that he can say, you know, like, you've seen me do it, now you go and do it. I'm not always sure that I would say to everyone, watch me. And you go do what I do. You know, I think as followers of Jesus, that's what we're supposed to be discipled towards. That we might be able to say, look, here, 
I'm trying to follow Jesus, watch what I'm doing, and, and then let's go do it together. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. I think uh, this time of Thanksgiving, hopefully you've heard this enough times to know that uh, you know, Thanksgiving isn't supposed to be one day of the year. It's supposed to be something that we, we always do. Um, but to, to rejoice, to be joyful always, to, to say that again, rejoice. But maybe in the midst of the anxiety, the worry, the fear in our world, the loneliness that many experience, maybe this, uh, this Thursday or whenever you're celebrating Thanksgiving, that gathering with others to give thanks, to rejoice, and to fill our minds with things that are true, honorable, just, pure, and, and that whole list is really, really important. Maybe open up the table to others around you that you know, might not have others to join them. Reach out to friends that are anxious or worrying about things. Or if you are anxious or being overcome by worry, reach out to those around you. I think this is, um, as as I've been experiencing the, the rise in anxiety around us, these words of giving thanks and rejoicing uh, have made more of an impact on myself. And I hope that you um, do spend some time here this week, next week, and then the weeks to come to celebrate what God is doing, to give thanks, to rejoice always. And again, I say it, rejoice. I'm going to invite you to uh, rise and body your spirit. Turn in your blue hymnal to number 327. Let's join together in our closing hymn.